With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network alongside my great friend and co-host, Brent Beard, longtime college football analyst down there at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. Of course, Brent crunching those numbers these days as we get closer <laughs> to the 2022 awarding of the Heisman Trophy. Brent, a longtime voter where the Heisman Trophy is concerned. And, of course, Brent, we want to thank our sponsor of the program, DraftKings. Go to DraftKings.com right now. You're going to find all kinds of great fantasy football options for you. And on top of that, a lot of great prizes with those DraftKings fantasy football options. So go to DraftKings.com right now. And again, the show brought to you here on the podcast platform, the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find the pod wherever you consume pods, but primarily the Pigskin Podcast Network is the home for second helping. And Brent, we've got a rivalry weekend upon us. And before we jumped on the pod here, you pointed out an interesting dynamic on the horizon when we expand this playoff and how this weekend might shift a little bit. Absolutely. Travis, happy Thanksgiving to you and our listeners. Uh, Hopefully it will be a great week for everyone. But the calendar is going to change uh, when we expand the playoffs and, and uh, which may very well be starting in uh, 2024. So that's literally around the corner in some ways. But one, one of the options that's been given is to basically back the calendar up a week, which means week zero is when we're going to start the season for everybody. And then by moving up a week, what that means is – and this is fascinating to think about on a lot of levels, uh, particularly with with family dynamics, is if you move everything up a week, that means the rivalry games are going to be the weekend before Thanksgiving, and then the conference championship games are going to be the weekend after Thanksgiving. So, Trav, it, and, and, I, and we're, we're talking about um, – how that's been different in the past. Look, I remember going to an to an Iron Bowl the first weekend of December. I'm sure you probably do too. Uh, but uh, at, at, that's that's going to be very interesting when all this settles down uh, to actually see how that's going to affect a lot of the traditions we're used to. Yeah, and you're right. They have moved around in the past. I believe there was a time even when there was the 11-game regular season that you would have a weekend off some years between uh, the rivalry games in some instances and conference championship play in the SEC. So something else to consider here on the not-too-distant horizon with the expansion of the college football playoff and you know last week we started a little tradition of our own here on the podcast we had our team of the week last week which was the vanderbilt commodores and look maybe we should stick with vanderbilt for a second (laughs) straight week after that win over the florida gators we talked about it last week we weren't anticipating an especially competitive week in the sec but then we mentioned the possibility anyway of vanderbilt putting a shock into the Gators. It played out that way. Neither one of us, though, in any form or fashion, saw the events of last Saturday night in Columbia, South Carolina, coming down like they did. uh, Just an amazing game uh, for South Carolina uh, in that they jumped on Tennessee early, and they did not let up. I mean, Spencer Rattler's numbers – 30 of 37, 438, and six touchdowns. My goodness, Trav, that's uh, numbers you get in the backyard against the neighborhood kids, is it not? 
uh, just just an amazing, amazing uh, uh, display. They they were able to put pressure on Hen and Hooker throughout the game. Really unfortunate that he had the torn uh, ACL. Yeah. But South Carolina now seven and four. But 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 Trev, here's the thing with South Carolina, and this comes straight from their beat writers. It's funny to say this in a way, but uh, I, but people will understand. South Carolina cannot handle success. So the Carolina beat writers that we've heard from this week have said they that they don't think there's any way in the world they could replicate that performance against Tennessee this week against Clemson. Yeah, they got to go on the road, too, and yes. take on Clemson. That is a noon Eastern kickoff on Saturday. ABC is going to be your network for South Carolina, Clemson on Saturday. It was. It was an understanding. Tennessee, eventually, if you're that bad on defense, it will catch up to you. Yes. Uh, even in the loss to Georgia, a 27-13 score didn't really speak to the level at which Tennessee's defense was dominated in that game, really handled at the point of attack by that Georgia offensive line and even in pass protection. So, but no one, again, I didn't see a a 63 coming from uh, 60 plus coming from South Carolina after, after the performance in Gainesville the week before. And so, yeah, I I would have a, a bit of a cynical eye looking at the Gamecocks this week as they travel upstate to take on the rival Tigers. And look, Clemson needs this game too now. This isn't just uh, state bragging rights here. This is a Clemson team that when you look at the latest college football playoff rankings, need a win on Saturday, need a win in the conference championship game, and then might need some help to make a four spot there in the college football playoff. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and, uh, look, that's not going to be easy for them at all uh, with TCU at four, LSU at five, USC at six, playing Notre Dame, Bama uh, at number seven, Clemson at eight. So you're right about that. Uh, there, there will have to be uh, a, a certain amount of chaos go on. Now, again, in the 12-team playoff, Clemson is in. That's not even a thought at this point. So, but, yeah. but, but, but again, and we'll, we'll do some reviewing uh, of the season soon enough, but no, no question, a very, a very significant – uh, win for South Carolina. Uh, Trav, I had a discussion uh, at the, earlier this week. What what in the world, uh, if, 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 if Shane Beamer can get them into some mode of consistency where they're winning double-digit games, and you've been there like I have, that South Carolina fan base, Trav, are they going to be sitting on the flagpole uh, if they start winning 10 games a year up there? Yeah, you know, it's uh, something that we've seen previously with Steve Spurrier. That was a hell of a stretch uh, up there with uh, with Spurrier in, in charge of that program. But it's been hard to do over an extended, oh, yeah. an, an extra extended uh, period. So it should be a fun one uh, at Death Valley East on Saturday <laughs> early. And we'll get more into the Saturday games as we move along. But we want to get going, really, with the Egg Bowl oh, set for yes. Thanksgiving night. 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Mississippi State comes in at 7-4, and 3-4 and four in the league. Mike Leach looking for his first win over the Ole Miss Rebels as Mississippi State head coach. Uh, you know, look, State did what you would expect them to do against an FCS opponent last Saturday in Starkville, taking apart East Tennessee State in easy fashion. Meanwhile, for Ole Miss, Uh, I don't know if Alabama, this was a case of Alabama beating a team twice. We've seen that in the past, but wow. Uh, Not surprising that Ole Miss lost the game, but for Ole Miss to be down 42 to six after three quarters. Yeah, I didn't see that coming either. No, no. And, and and Trav, even with uh, Quinchon Junkins, Having the the kind of game that he had with two two hundred yards uh, at at that point was we, just amazing. Two backs, two backs uh, with two hundred yards. Two hundred yards. Zach Evans with that seven. But yeah. as, you, as you said, uh, an unusual three turnovers. They mm-hmm. actually, uh, they they obviously 
had 703 total yards, Trav, and still lost the game. Uh, again, boy, kudos to Arkansas in being able to come back uh, at that point too. So, uh, but but again, boy, I, the uh, uh, a a short week. Uh, that may be the best thing about this, as I learned from you years ago, is sometimes if you lose, if you have a short week and you got to play immediately, uh, that helps take a little bit of the sting out of it. Between Judkins and Evans and the Arkansas game, 41 carries for 421 rushing yards. <laughs> That's amazing. And you lose going away. I, I know it looked better. With the final score at forty-two yeah. twenty-seven, but again, right. it's a forty-two to six game. Yeah. Arkansas yeah. had going into the fourth quarter there at Reynolds Razorback Stadium, and uh, you're right, mistakes, turnovers, a couple of red zone penalties negated, touchdowns for Ole Miss in that game. But gosh, can you can you just semi, uh, you know, get some things done on the defensive side because uh, it was a very efficient performance from KJ Jefferson. We'll talk more about Arkansas coming up here in just a little bit with Missouri on tap for the Razorbacks. But, uh, and look, so much talk about Lane and Auburn. You wonder the impact, if any, sure. on that team with those rumors continuing to swirl. Uh, what do you think? Is this Lane Kiffin's last game at Ole Miss? It's, it's, it seems to be trending that way, but then you see Lane's interaction on yeah. Twitter, oh, yeah. and it, it would appear as if he's really setting himself up to be uh, a horse's butt, uh, yes. to put it to put it nicely, if if he does jet uh, on these terms. Well, I, and I hear about all the maturity that he's got now compared to what he used to, but uh, to your point, uh, he's he is uh, texting back and forth. Uh, or tweeting back and forth uh, with a one of the anchors uh, with a sports anchors, yeah, yeah, in in, uh, in the state of Mississippi, uh, saying that uh, that's news to him. Appreciate your sources as only as only Lane can do. Uh, I still think Lane Lane loves it though. Lane loves all of this. It's not even about the job opportunities or the money. And look, he's he's going to hit it big with this next deal, regardless of no, no whether doubt. it's Ole Miss or someone else. Right. He just loves it. You he know? does. He and and, and, and Trav, I still think he's staying. Uh, I, 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 I mean, the, the, the Ole Miss guy that I've talked to, uh, I, I've talked, I have texted him this week. I said, is he leaving? He said, no, uh, he doesn't think he is. Uh, now, Lane, as you said, loves it, loves the attention uh, to, to go along with it. But, boy, this is a this is a no-lose situation. I mean, you go to Auburn, you get a, uh, an amazing deal. You stay at Ole Miss. You're going to do the same thing. Uh, but I, I, I just think he stays at Ole Miss because I think he can see, what, Trap, a year, two, three years down the road, uh, maybe the Alabama situation, maybe some some schools that, that we're not even aware of at this point. What if Harbaugh went back to uh, the NFL? What, would Michigan look at him? I, I, well, I, I, yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of jobs that, that it could come up. And that's where I, I think it's interesting for Lane and maybe in his mind is that it's not that he looks at the Auburn job as a bad job, yeah. but is it the job that yeah, you leave exactly. Ole Miss for? It, it, Auburn's a good job, but is it such a good job that you leave a situation at Ole Miss that you've got in right. place where it looks like you can win eight to 10 pretty easily on a yearly basis and then just position yourself for one of the jobs yes. in college football in the next uh, two, three, four years, as you outlined there for us. Uh, so you got Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I think I still like Ole Miss in the game Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, matchups mean something. Mississippi State, uh, I think, will have some of the offensive success against this Ole Miss defense. But um, I, I think Ole Miss uh, going to be able to do some things throwing the football, too, against this Mississippi State defense. I, I, I think this is, though, Mississippi State's best chance Yes. of beating Ole Miss under Leach. And the game being played in Oxford, I think, benefits the Rebels as well. Uh, well, and, and I wonder, Trav, how will uh, Ole Miss do with Zach Hornant's defense? I, I think that's going to be the key uh, in this ball game too. And, and look, 
we both have chronicled many times about uh, the uh, Mike Leach system, but still, uh, Will Rogers, 79 touchdown passes. He's now ninth all-time in the SEC, tying Andre Woodson. He's two away from Eli Manning, and uh, he's about six away from Tua uh, at this point. So the, the Ole Miss game... The bowl game, man, live. I, look, I don't, I don't care um, uh, who you're playing against, Trav. But in this league, that throws 79 touchdown passes. That's quite a feat for Will Rogers. And we'll talk about Will Rogers, but I think you'll be able to look at two players offensively for Mississippi State Saturday night and have a pretty good idea of how this thing turned out for the Bulldogs. And I think it's the running backs. Yes. Woody Marks, Dylan Johnson, scrimmage yards. And can Mississippi State run the football just enough um, to, to get Ole Miss out of some things that it would rather do defensively uh, against Will Rogers and that passing attack and, and uh, you know, make them defend more of that offense for Mississippi State? I think Marks and Johnson are really the keys uh, Thursday night as much as anything else. So, we get into Friday, and here comes one of those SEC teams this weekend looking for bowl eligibility. Missouri hosting Arkansas. That's a 3.30 Eastern game Friday afternoon on CBS. We talked about Arkansas's performance against Ole Miss uh, last Saturday night. Boy, Rocket Sanders putting another nice cherry on top of a very good season for the outstanding Arkansas running back. Uh, 232 yards on 24 carries. And, and again, Trav, has he gotten the publicity that he deserves? He is. He he has nearly 1,400 yards, is second in the SEC. Trav, if we stop 30 cars, as Greg Larson would say, on, on uh, uh, I-95, and we ask them to tell us, Who's the second best running back in the SEC in terms of yardage? How many people would know Rocket Sanders? I think if you asked them the first two, they wouldn't know. <laughs> Quinshawn Judkins yeah. and yeah. Rocket Sanders. I think a lot of people would say, hey, Tank Bigsby or Jameer Gibbs yes. or you know one of these guys. But, yeah, Rocket Sanders really for the last season and a half or so been very, very good. And, of course – Getting KJ Jefferson back at the quarterback yeah, we'll position, he rushes for 47 yards on just eight carries. Very efficient, 17 of 22 for 168. Three touchdowns in the game against Ole Miss last Saturday night. So uh, good stuff from that dynamic duo of KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. And now we look at this Missouri team, and again pushing towards bowl eligibility, playing at home. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz recently of his raise and contract extension, very secure in yes. his situation at Mizzou. So what are you expecting out of this one? These are teams that are kind of hard to figure too, man. They are. Um, they are. You know, I, I'll say this for Arkansas, even without KJ Jefferson, they were ultra competitive against a really good LSU team a couple weeks ago. Uh, Missouri did what you expected to do against a, uh, a group of five opponent last weekend at home, uh, a little different deal. And Missouri has improved against the run this year. There's no doubt about that. But with Sanders and Jefferson coming into town this weekend, the challenge goes up a, a notch uh, or two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that. And, and again, I give uh, Sam Pittman a lot of credit. Uh, Trev, from 2020 to 2022, Pittman is 8-16, uh, nine conference wins and three bowl games. That is significantly better than what they did uh, uh, <clears throat> the years before Pittman got there. Uh, but, but again, kudos to Brady Cook in, in Missouri. At, uh, he was 1927, 251 in the win over uh, New Mexico State. Now, see, here's the I – don't, I don't know what their APR would be, but, but here's the thing for – uh, some of these teams that only have five wins, if there aren't enough bowl games uh, for some of them, that somebody may be able to slip in the door with their APR uh, right. and, and how that's going. So we we also keep that in mind. Uh, but, but but again, uh, look, I, I still say 
Arkansas being six and five, possibly seven and five with this win. My my, my stars with the conference uh, non-conference schedule they had uh, in in uh, typical SEC. Uh, I think when Pittman looks upon this year, Trav, after he chance to, to think about it a little bit, I think he will appreciate. I hope the fans do uh, how how well and being able to win seven or eight games of this schedule is amazing. My concern with Arkansas is it sounds like Bumper Pool is questionable at best. Yes, at the linebacker position for the Hogs this week, based on what we've heard from Sam Pittman in the last few days. Drew Sanders has had a great year at linebacker, so you have some coverage there if Poole isn't able to go. And I do think there are matchups that favor Missouri. I think Brady Cook, between his arm and his legs, can pose a, a lot of the same problems that you know some other guys have this season. And also, you got a couple of receivers for this Missouri team, and Luther Burden and Dom Lovett, uh, that are capable of of making some hay against a back end of an Arkansas defense that we know has uh, has more than had its struggles this year. I'm still going to go with KJ Jefferson though, in this yes. game. And you look at it and you say, well, Arkansas is already bowl eligible. Well, Sam Pittman values these rivalry games. He, does. he loves these trophies. He, he, he already lost the boot. You know, yeah. he already lost the boot to LSU. So they, they like their, you know, they like their rivalry game trophies out there in Fayetteville. So I guess I'll stick with the, the road team in this one. Friday night, 730 Eastern oh. ABC. Very interesting yeah. uh, spot for this game on a Friday night. Florida at Florida State. The Gators at six and five, bowl eligible safely after that disappointing loss in at Vanderbilt last Saturday. Florida State at eight and three under Mike Norville, five and three in the ACC. The Knolls with a chance still to get the ten wins on the season, a season that would include a win over LSU, which looks better and better yes. with each passing week. But wow, uh, Florida! Just when you think it might be trending in the right direction, road win at Texas A&M just absolutely takes apart South Carolina at home. Then goes to Nashville and give Vanderbilt a lot of credit, which we will do coming up shortly in the podcast. But still a game that I know if you're a Florida fan, you had circled as an seventh win of a seat of the season with the possibility now for eight. Instead, the Gators nearly double digit underdogs going to Tallahassee Friday night. Uh, and, and there was so many little silly things that, that happened in this game. Fumble on their own five-yard line led to a scoop and score. Uh, just can't uh, trap. Uh, there should be, uh, uh, as as uh, we've heard many of our favorite SEC coaches say, you've got to be strong in that kicking game. Florida wasn't. Uh, you've got a situation where their returner should have put his feet on the 10-yard line, let it go over his head. He tried to feel that like an outfielder, frankly, uh, goes into the end zone and ends up being a disaster. Uh, they had a uh, about a 25-yard run by Montreal Johnson that was negated because the wide receiver uh, should have just asked the official standing right there by him, am I lined up correctly? And he would have got an answer to that. Instead, the play comes back. So, uh, Trav, Florida... Uh, kind of the same way several teams we mentioned so far can be incredibly uh, inconsistent as the season goes along. And I'm just guessing, Trev, and the question has to be asked, uh, I'm sure Pops wasn't real happy after that one either. You know, I talked to Pops before that game, and he was kind of like me. He was in that don't be surprised camp. <laughs> oh. And so when I talked to him after, yeah. of course, he said, what did I try to tell you? You know, so <laughs> yeah. look, Florida's yeah. not going to win a lot of games in which it rushes for what, 60 Absolutely. 60 yards or so, yeah, which is what yeah. the Gators did. And you look at Anthony Richardson's 400 passing yards with three passing touchdowns. And you think, uh, uh, on the other hand, if Richardson does that, that that's almost a, a sure Florida win. Well, this team is still built around the run game. It is. And they were thoroughly handled in that regard as Ray Davis for Vanderbilt. It wasn't pretty. I mean, he needed 30 rushes, so it's not like he gashed 
this Florida defense uh, to get to 122 yards. But, you know, a couple of long runs of just 15 yards for Johnson and Richardson on the Gator side of things. And uh, you're right, though. I mean, that was as much or more about Florida not doing what it needed to do and just making catastrophic mistakes. And I don't care where you go on the road in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, you do those kind of things, Vanderbilt, anywhere, yes. really. You, you got a you got a great chance of losing. So Florida goes. I don't like this 7:30 Friday kickoff, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to give you a prime example of why I don't like it because we both know in Jacksonville, Florida, Friday night at about that very same time, you're going to have a massive high school football playoff yes. game. Yes. Between private and public mm-hmm. with bowls mm-hmm. and rains. And yes. when I talk about bowls, I'm talking about Mac Jones. I'm talking about Chipper Jones. Right. Um, you can Rogers. go down the list. Yeah. You, you can go down the, the list of just, uh, you know, massive uh, players that have come out of that program. And, and I can do the same um, with Reigns as well. Historically, just NFL player after NFL player. So we've got this matchup uh, in Jacksonville Friday night. And so we're going to put Florida and I get it. It's TV, all that, but I don't like college football on the Friday night after Thanksgiving, because to me, there's not a more traditional Friday for high school football Absolutely. than the Friday after Thanksgiving, Brent. Right, right. I agree. And listen, Trav, my understanding is if, if, if this game was in Gainesville and they had proposed that to them, that they would have turned it down uh, and insisted on it being on a Saturday, which is a really the, uh, the, the thing that should have happened here. And, and look, this is going to be kind of amusing on Saturday. Believe it or not, there are going to be a lot of people – who are going to wake up Saturday morning and find out uh, that this game's already been played and they just missed it. So, and, and listen, I want to back up something you said about the less Richardson throws, the better. And and, fi- and, and in Florida's, in five of their wins against Division One schools, Richardson's only averaged 137 yards passing per game. They're, Trav, they're much, much better. They're 6-0 and when they run for 210 yards or better, and that's really who they are, and that's their M.O. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I mean, this isn't Spurrier-era Florida. You know, it's a, it's a different no. team with a different identity, no doubt about it. So we get into Saturday and we're into that early window. We talked about South Carolina Clemson earlier on the podcast, Georgia tech looking to achieve bowl eligibility, a little bit of a tough task in doing that, making the trip over to Athens to take on the top ranked Georgia Bulldogs at a perfect 11 and O and eight and O in the Southeastern conference. Wasn't pretty for the dogs. Uh, but also not a situation where you felt like Georgia was ever really threatened. You know, Georgia in that way reminds me of some of those Alabama teams from previous years mm-hmm. under Nick Saban. Sometimes the score didn't always look good, but you walked yes. away from it thinking that was about as much of a blowout for a 10-point win as as you'll ever see. Yeah, uh, well, uh, and Georgia still the most consistent team that uh, they, they can win however they need to do it. Uh, Kenny McIntosh helped them. They ran the ball well, nearly 250 yards. Uh, it's never easy to win in Kentucky by any stretch of the imagination. But, but Trev, to me, the fascinating thing about this game is Tech has actually played better. They're 4-3 yeah, they uh, under Brent Key. A, 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 almost a, a, a very surprising win over North Carolina, they they sacked Drake May six times in the game. And, and Trev, there's a little bit, and you've probably seen it too, about should they give this job to Brent Key instead of looking at uh, some of the other names that have been tossed out about there. Zach Gibson at quarterback, frankly, did a pretty good job, 13 of 18 for 174. So uh, I, obviously the big story is, Georgia winning and moving on to the SEC championship game. But are you a little surprised at five and six that this tech team's got a little bit of bite to it? Coming off a just massive upset of North Carolina last weekend. So 
No, I am surprised. Uh, you know, Brent Key, the the former Georgia Tech offensive lineman, so a legacy guy there with the Yellow Jackets. My understanding is that Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien writes very highly on the Georgia Tech head coaching search list. Now, you've got some ties there. The new athletic director yes. at Georgia Tech was previously of Alabama. Uh, but my sources tell me that it may be to the point where O'Brien would have to turn the job down, wow. not to be the next head coach. My understanding is the donors uh, with the most influence financially to that department and that program have Bill O'Brien at the top of their list. So we'll see. I would think it's similar, right, to Auburn with Cadillac Williams. It is. uh, With Brent Key at Georgia Tech and what he's been able to do. And I think in both instances, I would think anyway, there will be a place for Cadillac Williams, Mm -hmm. certainly, and Cadillac, we're talking about an all-timer at Auburn. Yeah, so no if it isn't Cadillac, who's the next head coach, I would think there'd still be a place for him. Maybe the same is true for Brent Key. New head coaches typically don't like to retain a lot of guys, um, especially from maybe the interim position. Uh, but we'll see. Brent Key's been great, though, man. There's yeah. no denying it. And, um, you know, Georgia defensively, you're right, got the job done in that win over Kentucky last weekend, did a good job against Chris Rodriguez uh, defending the run. And look, Brock Bowers, what, just one catch for five yeah. yards? Amazing. Um, you think that if you're Kentucky, you're you're in pretty good shape if you do that with the Georgia tight ends, but uh, dogs defensively still good enough to get it done on a day where Stetson Bennett, not with his most uh, prolific outing of the season, throwing the football, that's for sure as well. So also on Saturday, as we move throughout the afternoon hours and into that three, three thirty window, Louisville travels to Kentucky, Kentucky coming off the aforementioned loss to the Georgia Bulldogs. This is a Louisville team that's been trending in the right direction under sure Scott has. Satterfield as well, Brent. So again, a game that maybe six, eight weeks ago, you looked at and thought, ah, Kentucky, will get the W in this one. Not as much of a certainty with a Louisville, Kentucky upon us here in just a couple of days. Uh, well, would people be surprised if they if they found that Louisville seven and four? I uh, think so. Uh, yeah, just beat NC State. Uh, their backup quarterback, Brock D- uh, Dolman, actually replaced Malik C- Cunningham uh, and played well. But this is the team, Travis, that. Satterfield was getting all kinds of criticism earlier in the year. I still think he's a pretty good football coach, frankly. And, and look, th- this is a big deal in the state of Kentucky. Uh, sometimes people overlook that uh, with this game. And frankly, Kentucky, uh, uh, there's some thought earlier they'd win 10 games this year. That certainly is out the window. But at the same time, they could get seven and five, eight and five in a bowl, uh, which I think would be uh, would be quite significant. Will Levis, uh, Chris Rodriguez, still the bell cows for Kentucky. But one thing I did want to mention, uh, I know this didn't escape your eyes, Mark Stoops, Trav, and that extension that he signed. That and people may not realize this. Mark Stoops now, Trav, is up to $8.6 million yeah. from, yeah. from 6.3. Trav, sl- slightly more than, than John Calipari. I was about to say. Oh, yeah. How about I think that? Cal's people are on the phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say are. this, though. Cal's uh, basketball cats, they've lost a couple games here early. So I think Cal's probably staying pretty quiet for right yes. now. But uh Yes. Stoops. It's it's where the, it's like we talked about with Eli Drinkwith. If there's just one school that has an opening uh, that expressed some interest, boy, yep. it yep. is worth literally millions is. to these guys. Millions. Yep. Yes. Just one school, one program. <laughs> Maybe it was Nebraska. Maybe someone like been? that made a phone call. Next thing you know, these guys are just absolutely cashing in 3:30 on saturday on cbs it's the latest installment of the iron bowl auburn at five and six two and five in the league another one of those teams striving for bowl eligibility uh under cadillac williams auburn now two and one following its 41 to 17 win over western kentucky last saturday at jordan hare stadium 
Alabama had an FCS weekend, took care of Austin P 34 to nothing at Bryant Denny Stadium in a game in which looked like the Crimson Side was trying to rest and allow some recovery to some of its frontline players. Um, boy, Auburn, I, I think, is still a limited team uh, in terms yes. of personnel in a lot of ways. But they're making up for a lot of that with this juice that they're getting from Cadillac Williams. And so early in this game Saturday, you know, you think about it, Alabama's playing at home. And, you know, you would think that works in favor of the Crimson Tide. But I I think it's Auburn early in the game that's going to be interesting to watch in terms of how much it can make that energy level that Cadillac Williams has help this program achieve in the last three games, how much can they really capitalize on it? And maybe more importantly for how long in the game? Well, the thing that's that's really got my attention, what Cadillac has done beyond the motivation is they have discovered who they are. They have run for 779 yards in three games. It doesn't take long to do the math that they they realize, and, and and this is something Travis and I have been saying the whole year, and, and in the Western Kentucky game, for instance, Trav both Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter had over 100 yards, and they look now look, or they an offensive juggernaut? No, uh, but when you find out who you are and you're comfortable with that, and your offensive line is doing well. Uh, you can give some issue with this. And, and look, I know this is something that, that you've written about, and, and this is what I've heard as much of anything else that's a real concern for Alabama is uh, that the the media are saying, and there's a real point to this, they know Auburn's going to be motivated and focused. The question is, will Alabama be the same way uh, and, and, and Trav and the in as good as, as good as this Alabama team is, it's also incredibly inconsistent at times. And I know you were written about this this week. I mean, will they be any more creative from Bill O'Brien? Uh, will they be healthier? And I think the biggest thing that people are concerned about, again, will they be motivated and focused to play? Yeah, you know, for Auburn, the storyline's been mostly about a team uh, playing for its interim head coach Cadillac Williams for Alabama to start the week. It was to Bryce young and Will Anderson. Well, will you guys play in the bowl game or the postseason? Is this your last games? Yeah. You know, and no, that can work a couple different ways. If it is for some of these guys, then certainly they should be motivated. If this is it for them and their Alabama careers, you would think that would be the case, but you're right. When you look at Auburn right now, a team that understands what it has and what it doesn't have, And by really loading up Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and even Robbie Ashford from the quarterback position, uh, they protect themselves in some other areas. And they really protect an offensive line that is down a couple of starters now from the start of the season. And, uh, you know, keeping it about the run game. And I think they've only attempted 18 passes a game Mm -hmm. over these last three games. And then conversely, defensively they've been better against the run now look mississippi state western kentucky (laughs) those are anything but 1996 nebraska run games that they have seen in two of the last three games but i still think with Derek hall and colby wooden and owen papo and the rest of the guys that they have in that front seven they can slow down this alabama run game enough which is hit and miss as we know it is uh even if jameer gibbs is able to go this week along with Jace McClellan, that they can turn it more into a game like last year where they were able to really get after Bryce Young in the pass rush and turn this thing into a rock fight. You know, that's obviously what Auburn would prefer. They would love a 17-13 type of game, 20 to 17. And I think think either way, 21 to 24 points is going to be enough Saturday because I I do think Alabama defensively, is going to have the benefit of knowing, look, if we just take care of business in our front seven, and even if we get DeMarco Hellams, a safety involved mm-hmm. against that run game, and we limit this Auburn rushing attack, Tank Bigsby a year ago against Alabama, 29 carry, 63 yards. Yeah. If Alabama can get that type of stat line out of him again, then it's going to be tough for Auburn to score enough points. And then you put Auburn into third and long enough, 
then you can kind of play some zone and make Robbie Ashford throw the football instead of running the football. And then you have the opportunity to do something they did last week against an FCS opponent, but three takeaways for the Alabama defense last week. First time that's happened this season. So some different scenarios, Alabama should win the game, but the 21, 22 point spread. I don't know how I could tell anyone with a a healthy conscience. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and (laughs) go ahead and and lay that on Bama this week. I I don't see that happening, Brent. No, no, no. And Trav, I do want to ask you about Jace McClellan, uh, certainly consistent improvement over the few weeks. Uh, I'm curious what you've seen within him uh, and, and certainly with Gibbs out, they needed somebody to step up, and McClellan, especially after 156 yards last week, seems to be the guy who've done that. Well, he'd gone a pretty good stretch of not being really utilized all that much. He True. had the injury against Arkansas in October, and that seemed to take him out of the mix a little bit. And against Ole Miss, it felt like we talk about passing games getting into rhythms. It felt like he got back into a group. He did. For the first time since really early October. And as that game wore along, especially in the second half, you just saw a comfortability with him in concert with his offensive line that became more and more productive for Alabama there in the final two quarters in Oxford. It carried over to a game against an inferior opponent last week. We know that'll be tougher this week uh, with Auburn, but I agree. I've said it for a while now in relation to the Alabama run game. Some creativity might be beneficial to that yes. area too. It's yes. it's not a uh, it's not a very complex approach to the run game. And if you're Alabama, you're thinking we got the better people. It doesn't need to be. Well, right. you still have to mix in some Absolutely. things to make people stay at home and keep people honest, at especially the SEC level. Um, you know, you, you're not just going to line up and, and, no. and hammer and dominate people, uh, with a limited, um, a limited choice of, of run plays there that we've seen from Alabama in the prime time window on Saturday night, LSU travels to Texas A&M, the Aggies four and seven, <laughs> one and six in the sec coming off that. Oof. What kind of performance was that against the uh, Minutemen of UMass, uh, it's a win, though, for Texas A&M. LSU, on the other hand, safely inside the SEC championship game. Uh, participants with uh, that SEC Western Division title already secured. You know, there have been some years where under Les Miles, maybe even at Orgeron, you would look at this game and understanding A&M has been an unmitigated dumpster fire and thought, eh, I got some concerns about LSU. I don't going into no. this game. I even no. felt that way about Arkansas a little bit for LSU. I don't feel that way at all about this trip to college station for the Bengal Tigers. Well, and I think for several reasons, Jane Daniels is playing well. And look, that's a decent UAB team. I'm not saying they're uh, going to be great. They're a great team, but Jane Daniels, 22 of 29, 297. I think what's happening for them, some of these guys like Noah Kane, the Penn State transfer, is picking it up. He had 76 yards. John Emery can still be a load when he really wants to be uh, uh, here. And as you chronicled, Travis, these receivers, Malik Neighbors, continues to play well. Seven for 126. Uh, and and I, 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 look, I, I'm not saying LSU is going to beat Georgia, but I think LSU is very capable of playing them well. This team, nine and two, going to be ten and two uh, after this game. Now we will say that Jimbo, uh, very optimistic about Devin A. Chain and Evan Stewart, who we Travis and I both really appreciate, uh, will be back. Uh, but Trav, I, I tell you what. Uh, we will follow LSU next week, but boy, oh boy, uh, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to be, I'll have to see it to believe it, but Jimbo, at, 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 starting what, Trav, sa- Saturday night, late Sunday morning, uh, there's going to have to be a lot of introspective about this team and where he's going with it over the next few months. Yeah, the uh, exit interviews ought to be interesting. Oh, you just, you just wonder you if Jimbo, Jimbo might have one of his own, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, 
Yeah. Oh boy, they could be far and wide ranging. The exit interviews be. between players and staff, uh, uh, going into the off season in very, very, uh, unstable waters. There are the Texas A&M Aggies. Also on Saturday night, SEC Network, 7.30 Eastern, Tennessee, coming off that disappointing performance at South Carolina. Looks to make it right against another SEC team vying for bowl eligibility in the Vanderbilt Commodores. Yeah, I would think, Vandy, if it comes down to some five-win teams being able to slide into some of those bowl spots, I would think Vandy's APR would probably get the Commodores in. But, uh, hey, Clark Lee, he wants to do it. Uh, he wants to take care of business and uh, himself in, in this game. And so, uh, you always anticipate this matchup when it's in Nashville being just a sea of orange, but Hey, might be a little bit more of a, of a split crowd with Vanderbilt winners of two straight now in the sec. Well, and I think also with Hen and hooker out, you've got Joe Milton who everybody raves that he has six completions of 40 yards or more, but uh, Joe Milton is not as accurate many stretch imagination as Hen and Hooker is. And I, I really wonder, Travis, what their mindset's going to be uh, in this game. I mean, Tennessee's going for win number 10. And for Tennessee, that that is uh, something to keep in mind. Uh, but, but look, uh, my concentration here is Vanderbilt at five and six. But hey, hey, Trav, if we had gone to Vegas uh, in the first of the year and laid money on Vandy winning five games. I think we'd be a little more wealthier now than we are. Uh, and, and credit they've had Swan, Mike Wright is it. They went back and forth. Wright has come back. Uh, and, and he's really done okay with them. Ray Davis, as you mentioned, uh, outstanding, but, but look, Vandy, Vandy deserves all the accolade you can give them right now and more, frankly. They absolutely do. I think Vandy's win total going into the season in Vegas was two and a half. Yeah. So yeah. maybe three. I, it was one of those. But so you would have you would have cashed out a few weeks ago now with this yeah, Vanderbilt team absolutely. if you went over its win total. And you're right. Uh, for Tennessee, it's in pick up the pieces mode. Um, very interested to see Joe Milton. We did see him at the end of uh, the the South Carolina game. You know, no question about the arm talent at all, uh, sometime to a fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, how does Tennessee go about picking up the pieces? More so even on the defensive side of the ball. Because yeah. I think Tennessee no will still move the ball and will still mm-hmm. score points. Um, but defensively, against a Vanderbilt offense, it's feeling pretty good about itself. I mean, it wasn't – you look at the score against Florida and you think, wow, they, they must have had a great day on the offensive side. It. You know, statistically, like I said earlier, Davis had to really work for his 122 yards in that game. Uh, it wasn't an especially explosive performance from the Vanderbilt passing attack. So, um, you know, I, I still see Tennessee being able to take care of business. But again, mindset as much as anything else for Tennessee going into this one. And really, big picture wise for Josh Heupel, it's going to be the narrative coming out of this season now is going to be, yeah, but can the guy put a representative defense yeah. on the field? Absolutely. Uh, we already knew after last year that offensively Heupel is going to year in and year out be a, among the very best in the Southeastern conference on that side of the ball. But man, um, how he goes about uh, formulating change and improvement on the other side of the ball is really going to dictate the ceiling for his team on a year in and year out basis. Yeah, uh, and again, credit to him and what they've been able to do in a short period of time. Certainly got the fan base uh, excited with that. But uh, again, you've got to have it on both sides of the ball. That's going to be important. Uh, and, and Travis, again, uh, and you and I have covered these rivalry games for years, and I, I, I don't think the underdog gets the credit that it deserves that you've got some teams that have struggled the whole year, but in these rivalry games, they are motivated and they're focused, and and that, that's why at the end, uh, late Saturday night, some people are going to be looking at some of these rivalry games and say, Boy, oh boy, how how in the world was that score that close? Yeah, did you see uh, 
for Vanderbilt, by the way, in an effort to get the home field advantage more to where it needs to be for this Tennessee game on Saturday. Um, the students, Vanderbilt students are being, or they were being told anyway, that if they attend the game, they'll get $10,000 off their, uh, <laughs> off their tuition. Hey, can we go ahead and roll trail? That's a pretty good deal, right? Yeah. 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 I, I don't think, uh, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt wouldn't let me in. They let me into the stadium <laughs> on game days. That's about as, yeah. that's about as close as getting into Vanderbilt, uh, as yours truly is, is ever come. So they're on the West end of Nashville. Hey, Brent, looking forward to a great weekend, man. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving, you and the family. And as you said earlier, all of our listeners out there, we, we hope for safe travels and a, and a great holiday weekend and certainly going to be a lot of great football. Well, and, and listen, Trav, we chronicle the SEC. Uh, well, we don't have time, but man, oh, man, when you think about Notre Dame and USC, uh, when you think about Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Trav, Saturday is one of those, uh, uh, unless you're at a game, you're on the couch at noon and you, don't, you almost don't move to midnight, do you? No, you make a uh, you make a couple turkey sandwiches, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, make a couple turkey sandwiches. Don't put cranberry sauce on. Yeah, those, please, right? please. Yeah. You know, people talk so much about cranberry sauce this time of year. Well, if it was so good, why don't why don't people eat it year round? Why yeah, is it only a Thanksgiving thing? Yeah, you know, really, really. That's a question Ooh. I got about cranberry sauce. Hey, uh, Brent. Again, appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Thanks for the knowledge and the insight. We always enjoy doing this with you on Second Helping. Again, podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Go to DraftKings.com right now. Tons of great fantasy football options for you to choose from. A lot in terms of prizes and the sort and the like. So you're going to want to get involved with DraftKings at DraftKings.com for your fantasy football fix it is DraftKings, and of course we appreciate our show platform the pigskin podcast network as well so many great programs there the pigskin podcast network you can pick up the show though anywhere you consume podcasts second helping and if you would leave us a uh, if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and a review we would greatly appreciate that as well For Brent Beard, Travis Ryers, thanks again. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend, and until next time, so long, everybody.